0: Get ready for non-stop action. Get ready for non-stop excitement. They're doing the job possibly nobody wants. Watching every Canon film and analyzing them. To death. Frank Garcia Hale. Jeff Garlock in the Cannon Cannon. Ninjas and Bronson and Norris, oh my. Welcome to the Canon Cannon. My name is Jeff Garlock. And I'm Frank Garcia Hale. And this is the podcast where we talk about one of the greatest film production companies ever, Canon Films Group. And today we have a fantastic guest. Uh, Also our first interview. Today we have on uh, the author of the Canon Film Guide, Volume 1, 1980 to 1984, Austin Trunick. Austin, how are you doing?
1: I'm doing great. Thank you for having me,
2: guys. Of course. Thank you for writing this book. Oh, thank you for reading it.
0: <laughs> uh, <laughs> you know, uh, we do our part. Uh, so I'm glad you did our part. Your part so we could do our do part. our part. Yeah. <laughs> we all worked together on this one. But you did more when of we, the work.
2: <laughs> yeah, when we started reading the book, we were like, ah, oh, we wish we had this earlier uh, yeah. to, for some of the movies that we covered because there's such great insight into these movies. It's really fantastic. Oh, thank you.
0: Yeah, yeah, it was. Uh, yeah, there were definitely a couple. I was like, "Oof, yeah, could have used that." Because I also, <laughs> you know, not to uh, butter your bread right away, but I, 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 I think Frank, you probably felt the same way. I appreciated your uh, tone that kind of went into it, like because sometimes there will be those uh, either film or music guides where I'll get it, be very excited, and then just be like, "You basically just gave me a plot summary." Uh, no. Nope kind of insight at all. But I, I felt like I, I, in reading it, uh, and I, I think that's the big plus of it to me, is that there was both the kind of reverence for canon and also the awareness that sometimes the reverence is in the lack of reverence that you can have at the <laughs> same moment. Uh, that canon is the ultimate uh, human experience of being able to hold two ideas in your brain at the same time. Uh, right. Did you always feel that way with uh, Canon Phil, or did that even come out more as you started to write this? If that's how you yeah. Well, I the main thing I wanted to avoid was being
1: or coming off as cynical. I right. these are movies that even if they're not great and often they aren't, they are entertaining, and people I, we love them clearly and we enjoy watching them even if it's torture sometimes, but. <laughs> yeah they they a lot of the times these people were setting out to make films that were entertaining, and even if they didn't succeed in ten other places, they succeeded in that part yeah as as I went along, I definitely developed more and more of a love and admiration for a lot of these people that were involved in making so many of these different movies
0: which uh, you know speaking of it's fantastic you have Sam Furstenberg as yeah. a as an intro like how did how yeah. did that come about like i mean that's a that's a that's a fantastic get. You're looking for gets, and that's a big one. <laughs> Sam was
1: actually one of the first guys I was lucky enough to be able to get to agree to talk to me about his canon experience. And our first conversation was hours long. And this, this is a guy that has a thousand stories. Right. You know, every one of these movies has dozens of things that happen behind the scenes that he can talk about very fondly. But yeah, he's one of the friendliest guys I've ever interviewed. And yeah, when it, he was just helpful along the whole way. And finally, when it came time to needing a forward for the first volume, I got very nervous and typed out a sure. message to him and said, "Hey Sam, please, please." And he was more than agreeable. It was wonderful. I owe, I owe him a lot for this book. Right,
0: that's I, awesome. I, and it because it, it is fantastic. Like it's like you, it's almost you've got the stamp of approval like right away with having Furstenberg, because I mean that's the go to. Yeah, like, you know, in, in a in a lot of ways, if you're not if if you're not getting Golan or Globus. You want a first in Burke there. Yeah,
1: he's he's the greatest living ambassador for Canon right now, that whole era of right. action yep. B movie filmmaking. And yeah, and when I started the project, this is almost five years ago, the first time I talked to him, I, I didn't know whether I'd actually get through it because, as you guys know, the prospect of watching all, all of Canon's movies is daunting.
0: Yeah. We. We started this podcast with the concepts we are going to watch every single Canon film and we're not sure if we'll get there. <laughs> we've realized we made a we, master list. Yeah, we've done We did the, we looked at the master list and then we made a master list for ourselves. And then we've got like a second tier list, both with like where our energy could go. <laughs> so because it is, it is daunting. And it's like you said in the book, uh you can we've already kind of gone down those tributaries of the distributed by mm. uh because they have like such a wide stream but also it is a little bit we'll see actually in some of our upcoming episodes it's a little bit less fun to talk about right some of the movies that they've done because it's such a wide part right. of film uh and yeah was there a point for you where, d- did you ever have the idea, I'm going to do them all, and then cut that off? Or did you realize that pretty early on?
1: I I, I realized that pretty early on. And the book began as a, maybe like my 30, when I started writing, I didn't know what it was going to be. My favorite 30 canon movies, or fifty, it became 50, 60, right. and then it just became as many as I can possibly get my hands on. And then I had to limit it by certain parameters, because... If you get into the distri- distribution that's all the thorny m i movies from a certain period it's you just it would be impossible to do all of that
0: it would also just be like a daunting read yeah to look at like i like i definitely like i think of i've got this book nightmare u s a that's like the history of exploitation like under super underground u s exploitation and it's like it's like two point font it yeah, it's like literally covers everything. And then when you get to the end, they're like, volume two's coming. It's like, I hardly got through volume one. <laughs> it's just too much. I can only read about Black Devil Doll from hell, like, right. so in depth. But yeah, like, I, I appreciate the fact that this is 1980, 84, and possibly not every single one of them. Right. Uh, That could have happened.
2: Yeah. Yeah. We usually ask our guests uh, on the show, uh, what is your history with Canon Films and the video store in general?
1: Oh, Those two things are super, they're they're linked completely. My experience with Canon began at the video store. I grew up probably 30 minutes drive from the closest movie theater out out in the country in Ohio. And so I didn't get to the movies very often when I was young, but... We went to the movie store every every Friday night, Saturday morning, and we'd rent all our movies for the weekend. And when I was really young, I remember seeing a lot of these co- covers and being fascinated by particularly vividly Revenge of the Ninjas cover, um, the Masters, Masters of the Universe cover. And as I got older, about about 12 years old, 13 years old, I could rent these movies myself. My video store was not strict about violence in particular, <laughs> Thank you. Yeah, <laughs> horror movies, action movies, any of those were okay. The only thing that they drew the line at was sex. If there was, like, The Last American Virgin, I, I could not have gotten away with. But any of the Chuck Norris movies or New Year's Evil, Schizoid, were okay.
0: That's fa- What was the name of your video store? Do you remember, like, what was...
1: Well, there, two. yeah, the two of the ones that we went to, depending on where we were coming from, they're both the same distance. We did uh, Brookfield Video... Mm -hmm. in Brookfield Ohio and the one that rented me movies was the video shop in Kinsman Ohio Mm -hmm. and yeah we it was right by right by our like our school so the buses would drop us off we could walk down the street get a tape walk home and we'd watch it in our you know some some friend's living room or basement
0: right yeah uh that's fantastic just, just now I'm thinking just for myself so and you're in Connecticut now yes uh Mostly asked because I grew up in Connecticut. Oh, whereabouts? uh, uh, In Cheshire, Connecticut. Okay, which is next to New Haven. Mm -hmm. Um. Uh. And so yeah, that part of it was like I didn't know you were in Ohio originally because in some way I was like, oh, how'd you end up in Connecticut from Ohio? Because also where you're, you're Connecticut has so many little tiny towns, (laughs) like more so than any other state. So it's constantly like west, east, port, like like tributary towns. I, I Yeah, again, it was just like, I wanted to know if you were coming from the same world of renting videos there.
1: Oh, uh, yeah. No, my mine was in Ohio. Then uh-huh. I spent 15 years in New York after Ohio okay. with school and just working after that. And then right. just about three years ago, we moved out here to Connecticut. We're on the Massachusetts border, right, right north of Hartford.
0: OK, yep. When you were in New York, did you go to you were in New York City? Mm hmm. Uh, did you go to Kim's?
1: Absolutely. Uh, you know, back
0: in the day. Yeah. yeah.
1: Yeah. Kim's Kim's Underground was I I got to New York and this would have been two thousand three. Mm-hmm. And this was I mean, that that was five, six years into the DVD era. Yeah. But something like Twin Peaks, I remember specifically, was not the second season was not on DVD. So when I finally went to watch it, it was renting it from Kim's Underground, one tape at a time, with the three or four episodes. Yeah. And, yeah, Kim's and the Kim's on St. Mark's. We used to go there every week and just browse the used DVDs upstairs.
0: It was a beautiful place. There's a documentary on other music that just came out, which, for me, I was like, whatever, I've got my issues with documentary. I'm glad they made it, but also I'm like... It never was a place for me. But mm-hmm. they mentioned Kim's in passing because they came out and I was just like, that's what we need a documentary on. Yeah. Like the place yeah. you could get Turkish Spider-Man. <laughs> on VHS. You know what I mean? Right. Like, where it was like yeah. that's where, besides getting a bootleg of it off of eBay, like that's where you got
2: Mr. Show. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The first when I moved to New York, that was one of the first places I went to and I spent like Fifty dollars I shouldn't have uh, getting a bunch of British comedy DVDs. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. And that's the
0: But that's the thing. It's like you need those entry points to also kind of get you to where we all are mm-hmm. now in a lot of way where it's like you're beyond just like, oh, I've watched Bloodsport a couple times when it was on HBO growing right. up. Versus, like, no, 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 that's all I did. <laughs> like, and and uh was there a point, like, did you, this is another thing we bring up a lot of times on this podcast, like, did you recognize Canon as a, a, a youth, like, when you were renting these things? Or, like, at what point do you think you started to kind of realize, oh, that logo I see all the time that's beautiful <laughs> is one ridiculous company?
1: I don't think I made the connection as far as the wide range of movies but definitely when i was renting you know missing an action followed by invasion usa i'd recognize that it was the same same logo or or american ninja working my way through those that's sure so there, there was an awareness but it it wasn't until i was much older and sort of revisiting this stuff as an adult that i was like holy crap they made all of this stuff something you could find anywhere in the video store right. you, they would right. be on one of those shelves it is insane
0: like I mean, it's just like it's insane. The I get like we said the wide br- that you're just like oh <laughs> like yeah,
2: <laughs>
0: weird <laughs> like Frankenheimer weird yeah yeah um, and also some of their more like just fucked up movies. They have <laughs> like, many when of those. We get to it. Like Fifty Two Pickup is a wild ride. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> like it's just like yeah. I mean Seconds was crazy, but Fifty Two Pickup is a whole different type of beast. When did you, like, when did you actually start to kind of shift it over that you might do? I know you mentioned that you're like, oh, this is kind of an article, like, at one point, like, this could be a 20. Like, when did you start to, when did you kind of start to work on that part of it?
1: About 2015. Um, my my oldest child, my daughter was born. And I was looking, I've been, I, I've done lots of writing online over the years, especially about film. But I wanted something that I could work on, on my own, for myself a project. And that was around the same time that some of these movies were coming out on Blu-ray with Shout Factory and Kino Lorber and some of these companies and some of those had new commentaries and you have these guys who were just spilling their stories into their commentaries or these interviews and <laughs> or, or you had the The Electric Boogaloo documentary had come out around then too and it's you get a little bit of a story just be, that moves so fast through so many different films and people they interview in it. You know, like I, I just thought, I want to know much more about every possible thing. And so I started just writing about those movies in detail and researching them. And yeah, it grew. It grew from there. But it's been a five-year process so far.
0: Wow. What do you think it is about canon that makes it... Because there is a bit that I'm like, in watching Electric Boogaloo, and then commentaries, where I'm like, there, there's a little bit more of a willingness to spill your guts. Like from the canon, you know, it's because like sometimes yeah. I'll re I'll watch stuff and like go to the commentary. Like mm-hmm. I remember watching the commentary for Sleepaway Camp. Because I was like, Boy Camp is such a weirdly multi-level film, more mm-hmm. so than it needs to be. Right. And then, like, I would want answers from the filmmaker of, like, why he did crazy stuff like the curling iron murder, and and I wouldn't get any insight. It was like, he's playing his cards close to the chest, but no one at Canon mm-hmm. <laughs> plays yeah. their cards close to the chest, which is beautiful. Yeah. Like, yeah. Do you... I mean, one, did you find that as you were kind of talking to people, and... Why do you think it is? Is it just because of the looseness of Golan and Globus?
1: Yeah, there's there's definitely a looseness to the way they made films, but I I find there's there's usually two types of people who are willing to talk about and spill their guts, and the first are the people who just had a blast. Like you would never believe like that how off the cuff all of this was done and how little money we had, and they're just excited. And yeah, then they, they're they're people who had fun, and they're 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 good interviews. And then you have people who are willing to spill their guts because they want to kind of explain how the movie happened and how Canon screwed it up for them or right. just sort of take the push the blame onto somebody else and sure usually the stories are almost always the same it's just the how the person has coped with it since
0: <laughs> how much therapy they've had right
1: right right whether there they is. they're happy that they made these movies that they did with despite everything they went through. Or whether that everything they went through ruined, ruined their vision and career. <laughs>
0: right. Ugh. Did you have yeah. anyone who wasn't willing to kind of get into it with you? Or like if anyone you reached out to? Yeah. I, Not that you have to name names, obviously, but.
1: Well, the one that I really wish I could have had and I got the. He, he declined, but it was an answer that I love. It was from Shokasugi mm-hmm. and it was in. Their first three ninja movies, and he just—it was an answer from his assistant, and it was—I took your request to Mr. Kusugi, and he feels that this is not the right time in his life to look upon his past. It was this such this <laughs> Zen ninja wow, answer wow. that yeah. I was—I was just like, okay, this is the best way to get shot down by Shokosugi. because yeah,
2: absolutely, yeah,
1: but that—that's. That's definitely one. And I was just happy to have the email. That's when I just printed out and Captain.
0: <laughs> right. That's yeah. beautiful. Like, because I, I, I used to do a podcast called Worst Gig Ever. We talked to musicians and comedians about how terrible it was to be a comedian or a musician. And I remember once reaching out to this new age artist, Laraji, mm-hmm. who did like a split record with Brian Eno. And he kind of had the same where like his answer was like, I never choose to dwell in the negative. Mm-hmm. So why would I focus? And like, and it was like so, like night. And even that is what I wrote. Just said is meaner than what he said. And I was just like, yeah, of course you told me that answer. <laughs> like, <laughs> like what a beautiful vibe to give off. But that is like yeah. you couldn't. It's like you got a ninja answer. Basically. Yeah, yeah. Must be nice. <laughs> Must be nice. <laughs> um, so you know, doing this, I. I mean, in the Grand scheme, we have it. We were wondering, like, have you, do you, have you seen every single candid film at this point? Yeah.
1: No, there, there are still some that I haven't worked right. worked my way to. There's, there's so much for, especially for what's going to be in the third book, where it's the really the direct to video era. We covers the, the the last gasps. Other than the Van Damme movies, it's mostly just a lot of direct to video stuff that hasn't really had the secondary life that of other better movies or better known movies have. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, there's, there's a lot of VHS tapes that I'm still sitting in. I'm like, oh, I have to watch this eventually. But if it's someone who has links, if it's by a director who did something that I've written about, I've I've made a point to watch it. But there are just so many little tiny oddball movies that they were churning out during the late 80s, early 90s. Yeah.
0: Yeah, it, it's so hard when you're like, I have a completest attitude towards mm-hmm. everything, but can't. Like, it's just like, I'm 42. I have a child. It's like a life to live. And like, especially like you said, when you get into the direct to video world, I know for me, like, I kind of remember when that shift kind of started to happen. I, I personally don't have as much of a, I don't have like a fond memory of direct, even as a kid, I was like, ugh, I was right. not like f- about canon film too, <laughs> about like action films. I was like, ugh, this one was direct to video means it really was hard to do and <laughs> hard to watch um, when some of the major ones can be kind of hard to watch as a child. Even. Mm. So were there any canon films that when you started doing it where you're like dreading it a little bit and then it was the Pleasant Surprise? Like were there any that stuck out?
1: Uh, pleasant surprises. one that I came to, it wasn't until I started this project writing about canon. I had never seen Tough Guys Don't Dance and... Okay. That movie is just so wonderfully bizarre, and that is, it's in the second volume it's one of my favorite favorite ones to to have written about so that and that's a movie that I watched many times and every time i liked i watched it, I think I liked it a little more um, right that was a pleasant surprise the The apple was one that I
0: watched yeah, let's get into the apple. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, so what yeah, are your we, feelings we, on we, the apple?
2: <laughs> we tore our audience in half with our episode of the apple. So yeah. Yeah. We did. It
0: feels like somehow it's the one that got the most like kind of feel of like really <laughs> like guys. Yeah. Like, either yeah. they were super into it or super kinda of, and a little angry at us. Like, yeah. or at least that's how we read it because we're little snowflakes who get sad about everything. <laughs>
1: uh, I mean, I I very much I, I love the apple. And not not because it's a great musical sure. <laughs> or the music's great. It's just because it's so so such a weird mix of of ideas and none of them fully followed followed through on it. <laughs>
2: right.
1: Yeah, it's I it's just one of those movies that I, I, I was telling somebody else, it's one of the ones that I'm I most want if I'm going to push a Canon movie on somebody. Mm-hmm. And I just like I want them to watch the Apple just because I want to know how they react, because I know people also come away. This is the most this is the most terrible thing I've had to sit through. And, yeah, people seem to fall on either side of that fence. They either
2: want to show it to everybody or
1: not want to have to think about it again.
2: (laughs) Right. (laughs) I think it's a kind of the perfect example of kind of canon reaching for the stars because it just throws everything in the kitchen sink and is so ambitious, but still cuts corners. And it's, it's one of those, to me, it's kind of like the spirit of canon that I love. Yeah, I didn't (laughs) love the movie, but it is a perfect example of being like, you want a taste of canon, Uh, definitely watch the apple.
0: Absolutely. Agreed. It is amazing that I mean, like you said, it's like that the beauty of them is that like that's supposed—that was supposed to be like a benchmark of film, it like a benchmark of what represents what they wanted to make. But you also again can't still be like even their benchmark, their yeah. Mona Lisa, their 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 final work of art that they hoped it to be. They're like, I mean, let's save fifty bucks here. Like, come on. <laughs> <I
1: don't laughs> that like, was gonna be their. <laughs> prestigious entry into hollywood <laughs>
2: right
1: and i think they fought that until they premiered it right. and people were booing in the in the audience
2: i mean you can't Throwing fight your natural tracks ins- at the screen right <laughs> yeah. right right. That frisbees
0: a, that's yeah. insane i would love to catch one of those frisbees
2: still with all my feelings yeah one of our listeners pointed out that they actually have this they repressed the soundtrack where they found it uh, yeah on vinyl
1: i yeah i have a vinyl copy that's it was one of the few releases by Canon Records proper. Because right. I think they thought it was going to be the next Saturday Night Fever. <laughs> yeah, like, yeah. So they pressed it themselves. And I'm sure it probably just went like all the Atari ETs buried in a desert
2: somewhere. Exactly. I would love <laughs> to find we were, that pile. <laughs> yeah, we were drooling over the fact after New Year's Evil being like, wait, it said it's going to come out on Canon Records. And we were like, that was a record label? We got very excited about <sighs> that. Yeah. Oh,
0: It's it's got a yeah, I need to get my hands on a copy as I sit in front of 1500 LPs. That's that's the one I'm sitting here still be like, got to get that New Year's Evil because yeah, that was that was one that that movie was one that shocked both me and Frank because yeah, Mm -hmm. that was one that we had both of us had never seen. For the, the, which is the beauty of this? Like it was one like as a horror fan, like we, I was always freaked out by it. You were always freaked out by it. Like it just never yeah. happened. And then when we saw, it, we we're like, oh, pleasantly surprised. Yeah,
1: that uh, one's not bad at all. Yeah. No,
0: like it's ambitious, just like that. But like it's ambitious in what it's trying to do, uh, and and ambitious in getting so many things wrong. <laughs> uh, especially <laughs> of uh, you know both of us kind of growing up in music. And, like, I grew up in, like, punk and hardcore. Yeah. (laughs) It's like, this is not punk, but it's great. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, Because that theme song is so good, but it's not punk at all (laughs) right not even new wave (laughs) like we spent a long time dissecting we might even do a bonus episode or its own episode on that song (laughs) it's the much (laughs) on soundtrack uh, because it's so beautifully ridiculous yeah I, i i get why we partially asked is like we've already you know we've had these ones that have surprised us like new year's evil is one that surprised us and one that we both agreed on uh was that it's not that we weren't looking forward to it, but both of us were like, "Yeah, American Ninja," like because it's just one I didn't watch. I don't think either of us really watched too much. Like I was a Van Damme guy, like so I watched those religiously. Like I went with my aunt to go see them in the right. theaters, like. But American Ninja, both of us after it was over, were like. Pretty good movie, <laughs> like yeah. both of it. We were just like, f- like it fell in love with Duda. Yeah, yeah. Steve
2: yeah. James too, and Steve that James.
0: Ugh, oh, that's our. We both we talk. It comes up all the time about we our love for Steve James and their friendship.
1: Yeah, <laughs> yeah. They're they're wonderful together. Great chemistry, and even in Aven- Avenging Force, they're they're again together. But I think it was Sam Furstenberg said the problem with. Dudikoff especially, is that he came to canon on their down sort of when they started making their tailspin and had lots of financial issues. So while most actors would get to be in bigger and bigger movies in their career, Dudikoff, with his canon contract, each one had a smaller budget. And he made so many, so he did a ton of their, like, no-budget direct-to-video things in the 90s. And he really deserved, I I think... He got an unfair shake there, because he could have been a bigger star, a bigger action star yeah. at least.
0: Yeah. I mean, I, I we I we might have talked about like I'm just like better than Seagal. Like I can mm-hmm. keep listing off Dudikoff, but like I I never liked Seagal growing up. Like right. I watched Hard to Kill and or Hard to View, <laughs> View to few to Kills it of is a City sometimes. Yeah. It's hard to view that <laughs> kill that I viewed. Uh but he's uh, from day one I've thought Segal is boring and like immediately due to Cuff, I was like, Look at those James Deed eyes. Hmm. This guy's got something here. Um, yeah. Out uh out of uh just because we're now talking about the superstars of uh canon, because they obviously banked on certain people, uh do you have uh do you have a, a particular preference like uh, for of the big stars, you got your Bronsons, you got your Norrises. uh, you got your Dudikovs.
1: I'm de- I'm definitely partial to Dudikov, just because I think he's he's great in the when when they give him a good movie, and then he's always right. m- better than the material when he's in a one of their bad, really bad ones. Right. And but I mean, yeah, you have to love. I like Charles Bronson for what he is. I'm
0: <laughs> for what he is is the key. <laughs> there are a lot of
1: Charles Bronson <laughs> movies I I really like and then there are ones that are harder for me to watch. <laughs> Death Wish 2 with as grimy and slimy as it is is tough for me.
0: That was our what episode did we was that like our second? That episode? was our first. Our first episode. Wow. You least. Least. I mean, yeah.
1: You dove in the we deep started, end,
0: and it was immediately Frank, especially, was just like, "This is the one I wasn't looking forward to." Yeah, because <laughs> it's such a bummer.
1: Yeah, it, it'll, and it's something like that. And I know those movies have a huge, huge cult following. And right, but I'm I'm more of a Death Wish four guy. If I were <laughs> if I were asked, but then they Ten to Midnight is a fantastic Bronson movie. It's one of the best sort of hybrid, like thriller slashers that they Love it. put out, and then assassination and murphy's law are both a lot of fun
0: yeah Kinjite, <laughs> forbidden subjects yeah how do you feel about messenger of death <laughs> uh, not my favorite <laughs> thank you <Yeah. laughs> we just wanted to make sure we could get that out that is like that's we we went through that one and, and we were surprised how long we talked about that movie for it being what it is because it's such a that's like the that one is a is a a, a trickier movie, like more so than most of the canon films somehow. Like where it's just like you think it's gonna be a completely different movie every step of the way, mm-hmm. and then it's just old man Bronson <laughs> just wandering around and at all of a sudden shooting a coffin. Yeah, um, but surprisingly <laughs>
1: boring. I I in one of the in one of the chapters for the second book, I I think I break down sort of a tier of like, my own personal feelings of what what level each i enjoyed each bronson movie on and yeah sure that one's definitely a lower lower tier
2: <laughs> yeah
1: but my fa- i mean 10 to midnight would be my easy easy favorite canon bronson team up
0: 10 to Midnight, yeah i it's so did you ever uh i don't know if you did you grow up in music at all or listening to yeah uh, yeah 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 it, have you ever heard of a band called charles bronson <laughs> no <laughs> actually there i know. Were- they're worth checking out at least for if you're, they were a, a friend of uh, mine's band and they're like a grindcore core power band, but uh, with, they, they pick the best samples, the choicest samples. Um, and so the end of 10 to midnight is always burned in my brain as the beginning of a song, because it's just so good. Classic Bronson delivery of no, you don't <laughs> 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 just always competing with Norris for insane deliveries of lines yeah yeah and so that's but our net like you know we talk a lot about norris obviously we have our feelings what are your feelings on chuck norris as a whole
1: I, i mean i those are some of the ones i grew up on those are the canon movies i rented over and over again as a kid and there are ones that i i love invasion usa is a movie i i always enjoy
0: top of the line
1: yeah the first missing in action is great um, entertaining as far as like turning him into the you know the action here with the one-liners and your typical eighties eighties action stuff, and then there are ones that are a little tougher uh, or much tougher to get through. Right. So he's not a great actor. I I I think I've said that plenty of times in the book.
0: <laughs> <Which> we
1: appreciate.
0: <laughs> but when
1: they when they can give him material that. You know, if he he can drop one-liners. He can drop long liners yeah. You can write a whole script of just one-liners for Chuck Norris. And as long as he's kicking and just, you know, making <laughs> quips, it's great. But if you have to give him a love scene or you have to have him cry over somebody's body, it's... Oh, boy. <laughs> you, you're, you're, you've tanked your whole movie there.
0: Yeah. <laughs> we, it, uh, we are constantly, and maybe you have an answer to it, we're constantly just, like, analyzing Norris because... Like, we consistently call him the Molasses 2 by 4 Like, he is just... That's just who he... Every movie, he's the mol- Molasses 2 by 4 is added again. And yet, we are both charmed by him. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah. infinitely. And we don't even know why sometimes. Like, if it's a childhood, like, just remembrance... Like you look at a Van Damme, like to me, and I'm like, you know exactly what's charming about him. And Norris, I can't completely put a finger on. Like we've tried, but it's hard. I can,
1: I can try, maybe. Please do. <laughs> I think he's got this almost like this wholesome John Wayne style <laughs> persona to him. He doesn't have the acting chops, right? right. But I, I know anyone I, was, I know who's worked with him, and I've spoken to quite a few people at this point have said he's a super, super nice guy. And he al- he was always knew sort of what sort of persona he wanted on screen mm-hmm. and tried to stick to it. Except, I mean, you guys just covered Firewalker, somewhere where he goes way outside his comfort zone. <laughs>
0: right. <laughs> Right. way outside which also we say on the like it's insane that that's the one i maybe watched the most as a child it's like i don't know right. like that's my own therapy session to have like i don't get why i kept going being like guess i should read firewalker again like this <laughs> poorly put together movie that as we realize
2: yeah go on now i was gonna say because austin just sent us a thing via twitter about uh, the canon press release for firewalker uh that we retweeted that, that even they were like chuck norris and a comedy like, even they were uncertain Oops. about it we don't know what we did either yeah.
1: <laughs> oopsie i i interviewed the the screenwriter for firewalker for uh-huh. the the second book and that was even a mo- that wasn't even a script he had submitted to canon for consideration he <laughs> He had written it because, you are Romancing the Stone, Indiana Jones, all those movies were hot at the time. And it was something right. that he had written as a sample to send out. So the job he was applying for was actually a rewrite of a movie called Number One with a Bullet. Mm-hmm. And somehow when Chuck was either in the office or on a tour or something like that, he just saw the Fire Walker script sitting on the table, picked it up and liked it. So Cannon had already cast it when they made the deal to actually buy the screenplay from the writer. He thought he was coming in to talk about this rewrite that he was hired to do, and right. they're like, "No, we're actually already casting. We're making Firewalker. I'm like, let's work out the de- like, deal as so we actually buy it from you."
0: That wow. is insane. Yeah. It also answers a lot of questions we kept talking about throughout because it's like it's such a mishmash of everything and nothing at all at once. But it totally now makes sense to me that it was a sample script that you mm-hmm. never planned. It because it's like when you write just like a sample pilot or something, you're just like, but I'm not actually planning on shooting this. I just want you to know that I can cover this genre and this genre. Right. Uh and it is it to me, it is the ultimate molasses two x four that you would just be like, sounds good. <laughs> That's comedy. Like you just kind of go with it. And that Golan and Globus would then make it even more of a mishmash. Probably right. how they, in their dislike of making it, but still pumping money into it. Yeah, right. It's shocking when you find out they weren't into a movie like that they made. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, it's shocking out of all of the ones where they're just like, it's gonna be film. <laughs> yeah, the ones
1: that they think are unreleasable are always funny because they're actually they they they're often movies that. I mean, Bloodsport sat on a shelf for how long? the script was sitting at Canon for years before they crazy. sent it into production. And it's crazy because that's one of the best movies, one of the best scripts.
0: Yeah. Yeah.
1: But yeah, there there, there weren't too many movies that they found they thought were unreleasable because they eventually released all of them when they needed the cash. <laughs> right. Yeah, Seven Magnificent Gladiators is another one that was considered unreleasable. And right. the version we got is the exact one that Canon hated
0: yeah it's it's okay is that an italian gladiator yeah who yeah directed that do you remember who's the director on that not to put you on there i mean it's so i get they,
1: they worked with so many of these guys who made the italian uh cannibals and zombie right. movies in the late 70s early 80s that all it's of them the made a movie like for like canon at some my point. And
0: butters is like italian giallos and italian films but even after all these years i cannot for the life of me, keep track of the director's name. Something.
1: Yeah, this this is one that they they fired the guy and hired Luigi Cozzi, of Star Crash fame, when they made Hercules. <laughs> right.
2: Oh man. Yeah, Corman and Cannon World. Bruno Mattei. Yeah. All
0: right. Bruno Mattei. Who maybe... Uh, yeah, again, like, here's me doing the same... Like, I'm, now I put myself on this podcast. I'm like, all right, he did what cannibal movie? Like, who knows? <laughs> like, Anthrophagus or something? Yeah, was so. it eaten
1: alive?
0: Right. It's just yeah. like... Because that's... I I mean, that's... Was there... That kind of just reminds me of... Like, because I remember once there was a period, I was like, I'm going to watch every single Giallo and, like, Italian movie. And they all were just awash at a certain point. Like, I couldn't keep track of... What was the house of the laughing windows, and what, what, like? It was just a bunch of what. Which one was the strange case of Miss? Vo- like, it was just everything was a mishmash. Like, did you while you were writing this even I think about it, did you have to like take breaks, like pull yourself back so that it wasn't <laughs> just like another fucking canon film? Oh
1: yeah, yeah, definitely. There were even even within just writing about canon, I I, I shuffle them up as as much as I could, so. I wasn't writing about them all chronologically. I would be doing, well, here's a Chuck Norris movie. Then I can write about these three or four other movies before I even have to think about Chuck Norris again. It was, I needed to do that. So just to be able to get through it.
2: Yeah. Yeah. Were, were there any other, like in your research, were there any like big surprises that you were like, oh my God, I had no idea. Hmm. I mean, there, there's, there, there are lots of,
1: lots of surprises all along the way. Some of the thing, I mean, I've told the story a few times now and it's in the book, but the Hercules 2 being made just purely out of reshoots that Lou Fregno didn't know he was making the sequel and they just were ready to release it and had to go work out a deal and break it to him. that, that, that was, that was one of the most shocking things I learned.
0: That's insane.
1: There are things like that all along the way that just like, I can't, I I can't believe this. Like how, how did this happen?
2: Right. (laughs) Yeah, one of our listeners uh, runs a Twitter account called How Did This Not Get Made? Um, and they had a question for you saying, um, What is a canon film that you wish got made that never did? Oh,
1: that's a good one. There are, that's another thing for the third volume. Just because it is the direct to video era, it's not as exciting as the stuff that's in one and two, which are all the canon movies people love. To make it more exciting, I want to put a section at the end that is just canceled Canon. Because they. I have sales catalogs that they took to can. they would took to Mifed, and all these different places to sell these. And they're full of posters, they're full of little advertisements for movies that never saw the light of day, featuring actors that probably didn't know that Canon was announcing a movie with them in it at that point. <laughs> so there are, I mean, I, w- I would have loved to have seen the... Toby Hooper, the original Toby Hooper Spider-Man that they announced, I would have loved to see the Joe one. That would have been great. Yeah. Either of those, the original, um, the original Delta Force with when it was was going to be Charles Bronson and Chuck Norris. That would have been so cool to see.
0: Yes, it would have. That would have been like De Niro and Pacino and Heat. Yeah. The first time we were like, finally, the two stiffest people in the world working together. <laughs> just out acting each other. <laughs> yeah. And both of them loving it. I just imagine the oh, whole yeah. time just going, great take, nice. <laughs> <laughs>
2: right, yeah. <laughs> Thanks a lot. <laughs> You're not so bad yourself.
0: Just a love fest. Ugh, it would have been beautiful. Yeah, I. What cause was like the I one? Of... Oh yeah, go on. Sorry.
1: Oh, uh, well, the they would have been like. I mean, they had Captain America for a while that they were going to do that was going to be set in all during World War II, which would have been very interesting. There was a they had a Paul Schrader um, movie. It was going to be dre- uh, directed by Konchalovsky, who did Runaway Train and Maria's Lovers yeah. for them that was going to star Al Pacino. It was a remake of an an investigation of a citizen above suspicion. I might be right. butchering that title, right. but an art house yes. film. And I would have loved to see Pacino in a canon production mm-hmm. of a foreign remake. It would have been, <laughs> yeah. yes. it would have been one of those Pacino performances. I'm sure we would be pulling up in gifts and, or yes. gifs yeah. in these, in these days.
0: In, in your research, did you stumble upon like, I know we've got like Frigno not realizing they were making like the second film, but were there, do you know if there might not have been, but like any stories of that caliber where like if Pacino had like signed on and then got there and been like, wait a second, I'm doing a Canon film. (laughs) Like, were there any (laughs) of those times where like, maybe like, and it might not have ever happened, but just like, just didn't realize that they were getting into that section of the video store essentially.
1: Yeah. Um, not, nothing to that degree. Nothing that came out be, without them knowing. Right. There were, I mean, Cannon was very famous for announcing actors and buying billboards or v- pages right. of variety where they would and put an actor's likeness in it. And this actor had not actually signed a contract. And that was, Dustin Hoffman was an example. They had... <laughs> bought a big two-page ad in Variety that says, welcome Dustin Hoffman to the Cannon family and all these old, old you know, stock photos of him, basically. And he saw that and took him to court over it because he'd, <laughs> yeah. he had maybe met Galan very briefly somewhere at a party and he didn't understand <laughs> that he wasn't signing a contract right at that second.
0: Did they even have an idea, like promote what he was going to be doing or was just like the concept
1: they had several ideas that they were going to put him in um i don't remember offhand what was the one that the the main one that he was going forward with right but yeah there's there's also just it out of all these canon projects that were on that were announced but unmade just so many that had different cast members in them Mm -hmm. and one for example being river of death was originally mm-hmm. written for Christopher Walken and he couldn't do it. So here comes Dudekoff. Let's stick Dudekoff right. in it. But <laughs> yeah. it's just, it would have been a very different movie. You can see where they sort of just had an actor in mind and then just slid Michael Dudikoff in. Right.
0: <laughs> Definitely. Well, yeah, because that reminds it like, you know, not completely realizing until we did it that Avenging Force. Was, you know, in theory, Matt Hunter anyways, returns. Was, <laughs> Matt Hunter returns. And that, like, at least, like, you know, another uh, 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 fan of the podcast sent us, like, you know, some links. And there was, like, at least, like, I think they sent it, it was, e- like, either fake, but I think it was just a canon of, like, a mock up mm-hmm. of, you know, when it was going to be Night Hunter. Mm-hmm. And that it was gonna have Norris, and like even the font like looked amazing, <laughs> like yeah. Uh, but like there, like it's hard to not watch Avenging Force the whole time and just be like, what could this have been? Yeah. <laughs> even though we both were both surprised and horrified by <laughs> Avenging Force, all yeah. at once, uh, an insane movie.
1: <laughs> There's so many of those posters <laughs> and mock-ups that yeah, they those exist. They're all most of the ones you see out there are real. I mean, these right. you can find them all over. <laughs> The American Ninja with Chuck Norris, whose head badly pasted on the body of a stuntman. That that movie ended up becoming Invasion USA, but it's just one of those examples where Canon had a title and right. a star, and they put it in the newspapers. They bought it, and like, they spent a bunch of movie on ad space, and they didn't have a script right. or a premise or anything at that point.
2: They should make a game for Canon heads uh, where it's like unmade Canon film or uh, bored person on Reddit. You know, like <laughs> which, which is true and which is the false one mm-hmm.
0: it would be, so, be so hard, so to, hard guess to guess those tell. answers fucking right <laughs> yeah i would constantly be <laughs> flummoxed because yeah i do think like that's also to me is the interesting part is like growing up especially like being into so much horror is like that's like the story of horror and exploitation film is like oh we've got a title before we even do it but like golan and globus were doing it with like Bigger budget, like, in more pizzazz than anyone. Yeah. <laughs> like, all of Khan, like, you know, sort of thing. Like, for completely, like, eight to ten movies that would never come out. That's an insane move. They I have sales catalogs
1: around here in boxes, and they'll be, you know, 150, 200 pages long. And they'll have their whole catalog of all the old canon pornography along with all the thorny mi stuff at that point but just of stuff like in production soon and maybe one in three movies in the whole thing actually came out but yeah they would take the movies to the festivals and if they sold enough enough territories bought it or promised to buy it then they would actually make it
0: right it's so beautiful (laughs) it's such a crazy crazy tactic Going off of just, like, thinking about Avenging Force, and this is, you know, something me and Frank, like, encounter a lot doing this podcast, uh, is, you know, like, <laughs> lately I was talking to our friend of the podcast, John Murray, about, like, uh, most of the movies I've been watching, especially in quarantine, not only because we're doing the podcast, so I'm watching a lot of canon films, but, like, everything I watch should be under the Netflix category of been a long time. Like, movies that's, like, it's been a while since I've watched it. Let me rewatch it with new eyes. And especially being 42, in the middle of the world we currently are living in, and having a child. Like, both me and Frank constantly are at, like, you know working our brains to figure out like, okay, how do we feel about this movie now? Like, uh, and you know, Avenging Force was what, where it's like, I, you know, like when I was in my twenties, thirty, I never would have even thought about it. I would just been like, yeah, I watched some of the more fucked up shit in the world. Uh, you know, I think you mentioned having a child like,
1: yeah, yeah. I have two kids, five and two. Yeah, so
0: great. Yeah. So like, also like the perfect ages where, you know, yeah, my kid's three and a half and starting to shift over where I'm like, Oh, is he freaked out by the Halloween three masks and rolling thunder poster? Right. Or is he fine listening to death metal all day? Like, you know, every once, in a while, like he did the other day, pick up my Eat and alive, like history of Italian cannibal films. And I was like, Oh no, 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 not that one. <laughs> like that was what I should probably put somewhere else. Mm-hmm.
2: Yeah. And I have a gremlins poster and my two year old sees that. And <laughs> right. I wonder if that's going to mess her up. <laughs> yeah. Right. Uh, like, have you thought about it?
0: Does it affect like, and especially as you were kind of going through this, like, uh, like it's it's hard for something like Invasion USA is one of my f- favorite canon films. But then I'm just like, and it's you know, all the politics are so questionable, right? For all of them, like, did, did it? Does it constantly kind of make you reconsider, or are you able to kind of compartmentalize a bit?
1: You have to. I, I have to compartmentalize yeah. to be able to, yeah. <laughs> to write about a lot of these. Yeah. There are ones that definitely, I, as I researched and learned more about them, became harder to watch. Again, going back to like Death Wish 2 and Death Wisteria or anything anywhere uh, Michael Winter's involved.
0: Yes. Yeah. As It's almost like one of our mottos on this podcast besides... Molasses two by four is just Michael Winner is a monster.
1: <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And now it it made those well, like as a you know fifteen sixteen years old, you're going to be able to watch anything that happens in Death Wish three and just be into it the whole time. But as you get older right. and it gets harder, and yeah, and once you learn a little more about Michael Winner, it's it makes those the, all of those ones hard to watch. Right. There's yeah. When I started out on this, my I mean it was right around the time my my daughter was born so 5 years ago and early on I could watch I, I think I say in the in the acknowledgments at the end of the book that they, she would watch ninja movies with me mm-hmm. and it's okay when she's a baby I know they can't see like 6 6 feet in front of them or, at that point but now it's getting to the point where she's older and she's aware of the book she has <laughs> she's seen the cover and she I the other day I asked her because I'm getting to the point where I'm, I'm writing about the canon movie tales. Right. And there are so many of them. But I sat down and I was like, hey, Vera, you want to you want to help me? Because I want to see if an actual little kid enjoys them or thinks they're awful <laughs> <laughs> as these fairy tale movies. And and like, you sit here and you want to watch some movies with me and help me with with my book. And she looks at me and she's like, are they nin- are there ninjas in them? <laughs> because I, I think she she thinks I'm just writing about. It's only ninja movies. She thinks every one of right. these movies must have a ninja in
0: it. Sure.
1: Yeah, no, it's definitely how... Movies I saw when I was, like, 15 or 16, especially when you're a high school boy, is is going to... You're going to have a different attitude about them when you're older and wiser. Right.
0: Yeah, it is oh, just... Yeah. it's It's, you know, like I said, we do it constantly with this. And then, you know, it is, like, recently, well, like, not only just, like, it's it's fun and also sometimes disheartening like i'm like am i destroying certain parts of my childhood yeah <laughs> by rewatching a movie that i just had like blanket statement said like i like it like and now i'm like wait a second like teen wolf is kind of really poorly put together Like, it's not really a great film. It feels like it's missing reels. Right. And whole scenes. And every time there's an African-American on, like, the screen, Styles says something racist and is homophobic. And that's also the summary of that subgenre of Netflix films. Yeah, yeah. Not only canon, but Netflix is, like, films I haven't seen in a while. It's, like, you basically could summarize of, like, it's probably going to be homophobic and racist at some point. Right. And definitely misogynistic. And yet, and for canon, there's the extra level of because it's action films. uh, It's it's we talked about a little bit that it's somewhat easier in our minds with uh, Chuck uh, because, like, he is what you described. Like he's that kind of just like middle of the road American, Right. right? Like you know, like he's just like flags. Cool. Like, he's just like, it's not so in your face of like, we got to have a fucking... Like, you know, left versus right, etc. Right. Uh, you know, Bronson is a little harder sometimes. <laughs> and Dudikoff's just fun. Dudikoff's just like, whatever. Yeah, like, yeah. <laughs> like, they're just going to be having a grand old time fighting. And, like, even if a child dies in Avenging Force, they'll be over it 30 seconds later. Multiple
2: children. <laughs> Multiple die. children. One die. was used as a pad to jump out a window. <laughs> it's like, well... <laughs> better go get revenge
0: <laughs> <laughs> what do we do without guns we improvise wait isn't your kid dead yes yeah <laughs> it's just a shocking thing but yeah it is just like it's both uh i don't know fun and exhausting a little bit to constantly be like oh right like these things mm-hmm. are they're problematic but because it's also hard do you ever find it hard uh to explain to people why you like these (laughs) felt like you know (laughs) sometimes i think of like in-laws like where i'm like how do i exactly explain that like well no i get why there's issues with this or this uh.
1: yeah yeah it's i haven't had to explain it fortunately i haven't had to defend it like that's so i don't i don't know but it's been one of these things that my the people that I feel like I would have to explain myself to, mm-hmm. we haven't been allowed to go anywhere since the books come out. <laughs> I, have, I haven't seen any of these elderly relatives that. Right. I am a little worried about what they might, what they might think about some of these. Yeah. <laughs> so far, once when, once we can get out and get around as normal again, I'm gonna have some right. start working on my working on writing up my defense.
0: Yeah. Your dissertation on why 10 to midnight is (laughs) awesome, (laughs) but also weird. I mean, you know, (laughs) yeah. Uh,
2: how many volumes of this do you plan to release or what's exactly, yeah. How many volumes and when can we expect the second volume?
1: Yeah. So there, it's going to be three volumes. And Mm -hmm. I, like I had mentioned when I started writing this, it was, I didn't know what it was going to be. So I was writing about them out of order. So I end up writing about a lot of what is going to go into the second volume which is 1985 to 87 back when I first began because those are some of the biggest best
2: known canon movies. Right. Probably the most releases too, right?
1: Yeah, yeah, they were doing their best to put out a movie every week if they could. Yeah, it's yeah. the books just the file on my computer is so much larger than what the first one was and uh-huh. and sure.
0: That's what we realized when we like we used to start every episode with like here are the top 10 movies of 1986 is basically what we could summarize it yeah Frank. Right? because at a certain point yeah. we were just like all right we you know what they are <laughs> yeah like, this is another canon film that came out in one year
1: yeah those <gasps> they were so prolific during that time and yeah that's partially why it's the shortest span of the years but probably is going to be the biggest book is 85 86 87 right because they did so much and yeah so i before I took it to publishers and started taking the idea around i I had written a lot for what would be the second one so while the first one was being edited and put together and desi- working with a designer, I was still plugging away the second so it's almost it's it's a good chunk of the way done, and we're looking at late next year, so probably next fall twenty twenty one for volume two cool Volume three I have a ton of work to do. <laughs> Sure. So yeah. I can't make any promises for when I will be yet, but <laughs> yeah, it's hopefully it's since like, they're all direct to video movies
2: there won't be as much to say.
0: <laughs> right. Here's another one. <laughs> Here's another <Yeah>.
2: one. <laughs> you could have done in true canon form where uh, uh as far as missing an action release the second one first and then the first one second. <laughs> oh that would have been
0: yeah uh yeah the canon film guide the beginning just yeah <laughs> make it all complicated you
1: can't even volume two the beginning yeah
0: you can't even have a graphic as a cover it just has to be the amount of fucking subtitles mm. to explain what you're doing in this yeah i mean that's i, I the sec i mean this volume is great but i'm super yeah. looking forward in a second like because also like i'm like oh yeah that's when the best canon logo shows up yeah the yes. twinkles <laughs> Oh baby, we are in yeah. prime, and the themes that We always talk about the theme song that goes on surprisingly long. Like, yeah, it's only going to have to fall notes. apart for like eleven seconds. <laughs> yeah. You think yeah. it's going to be a four-second fall apart, and you're like, really? Still falling apart. Ding dong, ding dong, dong. Uh, just keeps on going. Uh, but looks so beautiful. Um, yeah. Do you? That just reminds. me, just a quick aside. Do you, when you're watching one, do you ever feel slightly. Disheartened when it is a certain canon logo. Like you almost remember when they just like have the canon group and you're like, all right. Yeah,
1: Yeah, when it's always just like the yellow font that says the canon group presents. It's that's always a letdown.
0: Yeah. Yeah. You don't not even a C. Like you're just like, Give me a C, baby. (laughs) Yeah.
1: At least give me the arrows coming together and coming apart. Just
2: give me a little taste,
1: baby. Come on. (laughs) on,
0: on, on, We need it.
2: God damn it.
0: they are the best they're so ridiculous do you have any more questions jeff no i mean honestly i think we cut like this is this yeah has been fantastic like uh we really
2: uh, appreciate you coming on austin we had talked about it immediately when we found out about the book we wanted to have you on yeah and then of course you're gonna have to come on in the future if you have the time uh, to talk about one of the movies
1: i would love well, to i would absolutely yeah. love to yeah. Yeah. I, I i really love that you guys at least give these movies a a fair shake i feel
0: yeah, we're we tried to. Tr- well, that's the. I I think it was like our goal. Starting, it was just like, well, I both of us have talked. Like, we don't like watching bad movies, mm-hmm. like, and we don't right. like watching like irony films. Like, and it's like there is no art. Like, it's like I we're aware. We are. We know what's going on, but they are also better than you're giving them credit for. Sometimes people, but also, we're yeah. Like that, it, it is the the kind of, again. What I appreciated reading in your book was like all right he gets it like Mm -hmm. honestly like in my mind i was like he gets he gets that like it's like there there's gonna be issues like and it's not a black and white issue honestly with like candid films like it's gonna be many shades of gray as you're watching so even sometimes just saying is that a good candid film you're just like well let me talk for way too long about it because there's that one fucked up scene about 40 minutes in (laughs) Mm. or in the case of messenger of death just literally the first scene you're like what the fuck is this movie gonna be um uh but yeah no we we totally and we're we we definitely want to have you on to do a a singular candid film i'd um, love that um, uh, but and again, I'm also, we're both really looking forward to volume two. We're looking forward to all the volumes. I appreciate uh, that. Thank you. Yeah, of course. Thank you for doing so, it.
2: So where can people find you or information about the book online?
1: Uh, The best place I always send people towards is I have a Facebook page. It's just facebook.com slash Canon film guide. And for a little over a year now, I've been putting, there's so much material, 90% of, what i have couldn't fit in the books as far as posters uh, proposals things like that and so that's, i i keep saying that that's the bonus features the extra the cut materials from the book go there so if you're if you want to just keep learning about canon if you're someone who who read the book and enjoyed it that's a good place to go um, and it's only because i i what i know how to work facebook i've i've been on right. there i recently joined twitter that's canon film Guide, but i'm not haven't figured it out yet um, but feel, feel free to find me on there.
0: Get on Insta so I can finally delete this Facebook account. You're, you're the only one holding <laughs> me in there, Austin. Oh. You're killing me. <laughs> God damn it. Like, well, I can't get rid of it completely because I got all this candid stuff I want to look at. But <laughs> it's a
2: perfect place to post like that type of stuff. of Just like the unmade, the, the bills and stuff like that. Cause it's just photos. Right. Um, mm. And I think if you have a Facebook account, it, you could just connect that to the Insta. Yeah. Basically, just help us out. Sure. Well, yeah, care. help us out. We just <laughs> want to retweet stuff so we have content. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> um, yeah, I, I think... Uh, is there anything else you would like to plug? Uh, anything uh, separate from the book or anything that you have uh, working on? Or
1: Well, I actually have another answer for your, your friend who wanted to know about unmade canon movies. <laughs> I thought of it right after we finished talking about that, but they were going to do a science fiction version of Pinocchio at one point, (laughs) starring Lee Marvin as Geppetto and directed by Toby Hooper.
0: Really? Yeah,
1: I mean, Lee Marvin passed away, and that project never happened. But yeah, there there are ads for that, which are just insane, because you just have to think of that combination.
0: Yeah. Yeah. It's so odd to me that Pinocchio, like, people at one point saw it as, like, a malleable form, because it's, like, one of the, like... Like, you know, like, I, I we've talked about a little bit, like, in our video stores, like, I could picture where everything was. Mm-hmm. And in Cheshire Video, one of the stores I went to, like, I knew exactly where, not that I even wanted to see it, but I knew it was the turn to get to the area I wanted, was the, like, softcore porn version of Pinocchio. <laughs> it was like, I think it was a giant box, too. And it's like, I remember it's, like, tagline was, like, it's not just his nose that grows. <laughs> I was like, it was a <laughs> Like, but it's still a fucking wooden puppet boy. Like, this is all disgusting. But it's just a like. It blows my mind that multiple people could be like, "We gotta tap into that Pinocchio, but a different genre." And Lee Marvin, what an angry Geppetto. Yeah, like (laughs) pissed off. He's on the set and pissed off. He's in the movie. (laughs) This would be fantastic. Though, and I would watch it a billion times. I'm sure. Oh yeah, Uh, I love that. Uh, Well, Austin, thank you so much uh, for doing this. Uh, Yeah, again, everyone, go out and get the Canon Film Guide, Volume 1, 1980 to 1984. It truly is a great resource, and the stories are great in it, uh, and the coverage is fantastic. So, uh, yeah, thank you for coming. Thank you. Of course. And uh, until next week,
2: I'm Jeff Garlock. And I'm Frank Garcia-Hale. And this is The The Canon Canon.
0: Follow us on Twitter and Instagram and all that stuff. The Canon Canon with one, two ends at the beginning.